You're listening to Al Pastor, the show that helps you love God, love your neighbor, and eat more tacos. I'm your host, Pastor Brian. Welcome to the show. Hello, I want to welcome you to the podcast for today as we kind of put a ribbon or a bow on the last part of our reading, which is in the book of Genesis chapter 15, verses 15 through 21. I'm writing solo today in the studio, but that's okay. Um, I just want to give a, a brief testimony of what this has meant to me reading through the book of Genesis. I mean, it's absolutely incredible. I am thankful. I am grateful. I am blessed to have God's Word. I don't think that we understand how privileged of a people that we truly, truly are to have the access that we do to God's Word. Uh, when you survey the telescope of time through the lens of history, we see that this has not always been the case. God's Word has been um, suppressed. God's Word has come at great cost. It's only just recently that, that the Bible is, is just so accessible. And even for us in our language, um, there are many people around the world. I, I saw a recent statistic, and I don't want to just throw numbers out there, but the number of people groups that just don't even have access to God's Word in written form for one reason or another. It's usually due to translation issues, um, but there are some good folks out there that, as missionaries that are training and studying indigenous languages with the intent to get God's Word. So I'm thankful that we have it. Uh, may we never take God's Word for granted, and that partly is the sad reality today that we see ourselves in in Western society. Lament, uh, I was thinking in Spanish, Lamentable. <laughs> I lament over that uh, anyway. Uh, but again, I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for God's Word. Um, Genesis is just astounding to me. Um, I feel like I just am getting a foretaste um, of things that I can return to for life. I've got a lot of topics, a lot of things that I would love to dive deeper into, and I have for the most part. But... Um, We'll spend a lifetime doing that. So let's get into a little bit of our reading today. Again, we're covering Genesis 50, verses 15 through 21. I'll make it brief. Um, we see here at the end, um, verse number 15, let me go ahead and read it. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil which we did to him. Now, we need to pause there for a second. Um and acknowledge that for them, there is this concept of grace, this concept of forgiveness is really kind of foreign to them. They cannot see outside of the lens of penance. In other words, they need to pay for their sins. And um, we can kind of impose that onto them, but we need to understand that this is their world. This is the world that they live in. So they, they don't have this concept. And so in verse number 16, they send messengers to Joseph, and they say, Before your father died, he commanded, saying, Thus you shall say to Joseph. Now let's pause there for a second. The question that we need to ask is, is did this really happen? There are a number of different interpretations, depending on who you read. And I'm not going to say if they're right or if they're wrong. Um, regardless of where you land on this issue, I don't think that the lesson that we extract is any different. So let me, let me explain. Some folks think that, that his brothers are lying and manipulating 
because they are afraid. Others think that this legitimately happened. I've got some questions if this legitimately happened. Number one, if, if this is a message that, that uh, Jacob on his deathbed shared with only his, his 11 sons, not including Joseph, why didn't Jacob do this to Joseph by himself? Is there, was there something to indicate from Joseph that he was just waiting for his father to die so that he could repay them? I mean, look at the kindness already that Joseph has been showing. He's provided for them. He's given them the best. He brought them out of Egypt. He brought the, the carts. There doesn't seem to be any indication or hint that he would do something like this. So where would they get this from, right? Well, it would be uh, just their own faulty way of thinking. So again, regardless of where you fall on the line, are they making this up? I don't think that they're being evil. I think that they have a genuine fear. I'm not dismissing what they're doing if they are lying. Um, a lie is a lie. However, I think that this is a reflection of human, the, the human condition of sin, the human condition of a fleshly heart. They, uh, although they've been, quote unquote, I'm using air quotes, redeemed and restored back into the family of God, restored back, uh, I use this also word loosely, relationship with God, um, they're still operating in a fallen lens, fallen state, fleshly state. So um, they, are, they are genuinely fearful. And perhaps they're imposing on Joseph and they feel guilt for what they've done and they cannot understand, like... Hey, we really did Joseph wrong. Man, he's just waiting to get us. So they're fearful. So let's look at the message. So verse 17, Thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespass of your brothers and their sin, for they did evil to you. Now please forgive the trespass of your servants, of the God your father. And then all it says is that Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Now, also, I want you to notice in verse number 16, when they sent the messengers, the first part of the message says, before your father died. Why didn't they say before our father died? One commentator, and I really liked what he said, this is in the New American Commentary, he says that they are appealing um, not to the commonality of brotherhood, like if you would say our father, but they said your father. So they're appealing to his sonship and the honor that Joseph would have for their father not the honor that he would have to them. So that's the difference. I thought that was interesting, so I figured I would share that with you, just a little bit of a nugget. But we notice that once Joseph receives this message, that his response was to weep when they spoke to him. I personally see this as Joseph saying "You, he's weeping because they don't understand. They don't understand the grace and the forgiveness and the reconciliation that has been given to them. They are still stuck in operating in worldly ways. Verse 18, then his brother also went and fell, uh, his brothers also went and fell down before his face. And they said, behold, we are your servants. And Joseph said to them, don't be afraid, for am I in the place of God? See, Joseph understood that if he was to do anything of his own will and his own desires, and I don't think for a second that, you know, although nothing negatively is spoken of Joseph in the Bible, right? Joseph, and he's not painted perfect either. But I think that in this statement, Joseph is saying, listen, I can't act outside of the will of God. If, if, 
am I in the place of God? Because if it's one of those things like, if I was God, then I would do this, right? Like if I was Joseph, if that was me, you know what I would do, <laughs> right? So what Joseph is saying in this statement, am I in the place of God? He's saying, no, I am fully submitted. God, I, You're in God's hands. It's not up to me. All I'm, I'm, I'm just here for the program and the plan of God. And then he says in verse number 20, he says, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day. I would circle this next phrase, to save many people alive. What a powerful, powerful statement here. Um, this is what we would call one of the great uh, theological terms almost in all of the Bible. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. And what's the purpose? To save many lives. In other words, we are connecting here from the very beginning of Genesis to the end of Genesis. Now, in particular, in this story, behind all the events and all of the plans of humans recounted in the story of, of, of Joseph's life, we see the unchanging plan of God at every turn, in every instance, from the pit to the prison to the palace, it's all been in the unchanging plan of God. And what was that plan? It was to save many lives. It's to bring about the promised seed from Genesis 3.15. In fact, this is the same plan that was introduced right at the beginning of, of, of the book. It's God's good plan. God looks out after what after he creates humanity, and he says it is good. In fact, he says it's very good at the end of day six. And so from that point forward, in every story, Cain and Abel, from the story of Noah to the story of the Tower of Babel to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God has consistently and, and, and clearly demonstrated that he is the one that is bringing out his good plans. God is the one that has been faithful in every circumstance to his plan and to his purpose to the point that it is showing us at the end of Genesis that we can trust God. We can truly believe him. And what it says in Romans 8, 28, right? In all things, God works, works the good for those that love him and that are called according to his purpose. I've said this many times. That doesn't mean that everything that happens to you is good. But what it means is that you can trust God, even if you don't understand it, even if you think you do understand it. The point and the purpose is that we can trust God. And so what we see here in the very last description of this, he says in verse 24, he says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. We have a lot of folks today that react out of fear. And so it doesn't mean that they're necessarily, just like I said, his brothers, I don't think that his brothers are operating with evil intentions or motives. Again, I'm not dismissing if they were, in fact, being um, a little deceitful in what they're doing. I think that they, again, they're operating out of fear. So he just says, listen, don't be afraid, because when you are no longer afraid, you don't have to manipulate. 
You don't have to try to pull the strings behind the curtain in order to get things to work out for you. You place it into the hand of God. And so Joseph's trying to settle them. And he says, listen, don't be afraid. He says, I'm going to provide for you and, and your little ones. Now, don't you remember this is Joseph's repeating himself. There's nothing, no new information here. Joseph is saying, in other words, I, I haven't changed, guys. I promised you that I'm going to provide for you and for your children. And so I'm going to continue to do so. And notice now this last part, it says he comforted them and he spoke kindly to them, which is even more amazing to them. Because if, in fact, I'm reading this and interpreting this correctly, if, in fact, they are trying being a little bit deceptive or deceitful with Joseph, and if that's part of the reason that Joseph cried, Joseph is giving them even more grace at this moment. He's comforting them. He's speaking kindly to them. He can see past what they're doing. You know, sometimes we lash out when we're hurt. Sometimes we lash out when we feel like our back's up against the wall. Sometimes we just get frustrated, right? Sometimes we we the, we don't we deserve a lot worse than what we get. Believe me, I can I can testify of that. But God, but God, God's grace and God's mercy, just beautiful, just beautiful. Hey, if you're if you're tuning in at this point, you're you're, you're listening. I'd love to know how you read this. Do you? What are your thoughts? You can, I, I think you can comment on the on the podcast. But what do you think? Do you think his brothers, do you think this was a real legit message from Jacob and uh, to Joseph? Or do you think his brothers were making this up? I'd love to hear you. All right, let's, let's go with the last few verses here. 22 through 26 says, Joseph dwelt in Egypt. He and his father's household in Joseph lived 110 years. Beautiful. Um, I'm going to highlight that green. He lived a good full life. Joseph did. Verse 23, Joseph saw Ephraim's children to the third generation. Oh, I love that too. The children of Machir, the son of Manasseh, were also brought up on Joseph's knees. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Verse 24, and Joseph said to his brethren, I'm dying, but God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land to the land of which he swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Guys, let's not pass over this too quickly. In this small sentence right here is what we would call like, it is an encapsulated everything that we've been reading in Genesis. From Genesis chapter 12 all the way through to the end. Joseph, this is more than just a sentence. This is a description of God's plan and God's purpose and God's promise. And so he's reminding them of the story, undoubtedly, that he has been passing on from generation to generation. God Almighty, we're going to see in Exodus, he's going to be the I am, right? So Joseph is passing this on. Verse 25, and then Joseph took an oath from the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you should carry my bones from here. Beautiful, beautiful. We're going to see that in the book of Exodus as well. Oh, boy. And guess when? On Passover, on Easter, where they're going to get out of the land, they're going to grab Joseph's body, and they're going to get out of there. They leave an empty tomb. Woo! Oh, I love that. Verse 26, so Joseph died being 110 years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. 
It's a great sentence. We'll probably revisit that if we have time. Uh, when we get to this story in Egypt, I have some fascinating um, documentation about possibly the tomb of Joseph in Egypt. So, guys, if you have any thoughts, if you have any questions, anything that we can, uh, I can be praying about, don't hesitate to reach out. Um, if you've got any testimonies about the book of Genesis, uh, please feel free to share. You can leave a voicemail if you listen on Spotify. And if you leave a, a voice memo, maybe I'll include it on the next episode. And thank you for tuning in. I hope you have a beautiful Thursday. Thank you for listening to Al Pastor with Brian Overturf. If you found value in this, please subscribe and get updates. Most places podcasts are available. We're right here on Anchor FM through Spotify. Also on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon, and iHeartRadio. I hope you'll tune in for the next episode. Until then, we'll see you later. <laughs>